0: Disclosure. The information in this podcast is educational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, any and all information presented in this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making any decision. Hi, everyone. Ben Keedy here with the Wealth Crypto Podcast and have another episode for you today. A little behind the eight ball on this one. I did this uh, a week or so ago, but really excited to have had David Doss on the program. He is uh, the founder and chairman of two projects. So he's got his own crypto hedge fund, and then he also does more consulting-based projects across blockchain, cryptocurrency, asset management, hedge funds, etc., etc. So let's get into it. Thanks. Bye. David, what's up? We're laughing. Hey. hey. Um, well, thanks for taking the time, uh, man. I really appreciate it. Um, Likewise. Why don't you maybe just start with a little bit about you and your background and how you got into crypto, and we can just go from there.
1: Yeah. So uh, my background is uh, I come from a marketing, strategy, operations background. Spent around the last fifteen years in that overall landscape, and uh, within that, um, I gravitated uh, over the years more towards the tech side and specifically towards the fintech side. Um, and that comes from kind of a larger picture. I grew up uh, in a very international background, uh, very mission driven. So I was uh, Raised Orthodox Christian, which is like very kind of multinational, uh, multilingual, and uh, I was really fascinated with uh, in, in grad school and in, in, in college as well. Was really fascinated with how uh, societies have interacted with each other. Ended up writing a uh, master's thesis on basically uh, the potential for small groups to enact change in. Uh, the private sector, uh, and okay. what I found eventually was that I was describing decentralization before I really before okay. it was a buzzword essentially so sure. okay. coming from that uh, from that global background and then being involved in the tech space in uh, in privacy and security initiatives, then also being involved in in some uh, online commerce initiatives as well as uh, more of the fintech side. if you think of that kind of mission driven global financial commerce with a security and privacy component. It's kind of the blockchain bingo, so to speak, of the the uh, various elements. So it was kind of a critical mass uh, pulling me towards the space. But yeah, I've been working on blockchain and crypto initiatives for about the last six years, Uh, worked with uh, Citibank, uh, with Gemini, um, and then kind of all creatures, great and small, in the space as well. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. And tell me a little bit about, I guess, just what
0: you're up to currently. Obviously, you've got your hedge fund, any other, you know, projects that you want to highlight right now?
1: Yeah, so uh, I run CKC, which is um, is a private fund advisor for specifically for digital asset yep. vehicles. And, um, and so... Within that capacity, we're basically helping to operate these uh, these digital asset crypto uh, hedge funds, Mm -hmm. and then we also uh, we also do um, another side of the business does uh, consulting and development around building out the larger uh, blockchain and Web three ecosystem. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um,
0: You know, one thing in your bio that uh, I hadn't known in our prior conversations was how religious your upbringing is. uh, This might be a little bit out of left field, but has that had any sort of impact in sort of how you view, I guess, the crypto space and what your opinions of it are?
1: Absolutely, actually. So um, I yeah, was raised in a religious background and with that kind of mission driven aspect, really looking at, you know, what what can make an impact um, on the world, what can kind of leave things better than I left it has been a big question uh, over the years, for for sure. Uh, beyond that, um, I uh, also what I was referring to in my, my graduate research uh, before my, my MBA and, and kind of the that side of the fence uh, was was groups around, um, particularly around like religious ideologies. And okay. so yeah, thinking through that, there are a couple of components. I mean, uh, uh, let's say religions were kind of some of the the earliest marketers. If you if you think about it, you know they've got the the message, the evangelism, literally, yeah, yeah. you know, all of that kind of stuff, right? So there's uh, that that part of it is is very interesting. But then beyond that, um, you know, studying uh, studying religious ideologies from a sociological, anthropological perspective, from scientific perspective, they talk about. Uh, religions as a chain of memory where uh, where you have basically uh, special experiences that are shared uh, among people and then passed down through generations. so in that regard that uh, a, a scientist sure. would say religion yeah. is, is like fo- is football soccer or whatnot but also a chain of memory blockchain sure you know, yeah. kind of the, the next progression is like blockchain is is uh, kind of like scientifically blockchain is a religion right sure. so yeah. in that regard I mean I guess there's a whole larger part of it of when you see these emerging technologies, People start getting super kumbaya of like you know, and you saw this in Web two as well. Like you know, Facebook was gonna kind of change the world, yeah change, yeah, change the world and be God's gift to everyone and everything. And like you know, obviously it did. It transformed the sure. way that we we live and work and everything. Um, and similarly, bro- blockchain has transformative potential. Uh, it, it does, you know. So I guess the uh, it, there's a need to kind of uh, skirt, yeah, play play down the middle of that field because you do see folks who kind of uh, you know, end up doing like cults around <laughs> emerging tech. And we, we want to like very much avoid, uh, that whole thing. Right. But For sure, yeah. just, uh, harnessing, uh, harnessing innovation and, and, uh, and messaging and infrastructure to, to build something bigger and better, uh, I think is, is a, a very powerful thing, um, to, to your question. Yeah. There, so I was on a podcast yesterday with,
0: um, uh, actually an NYU, uh, PhD. She she was too smart, but but we, we spoke about just uh I, I guess where I was going as I was listening to you is just like this good versus bad kind of thing that humanity tends to do. So like we did that with the internet, right? So, you know, there's a hell of a lot of good that came out of it for sure, but there's also some not so savory things as part of it, and our discussion. Yeah. Yesterday, I was talking about CBDCs and the potential mm-hmm. to be, you know, a net positive, I would say. Yeah. Where my hesitation is, is um, on the totalitarian side of what yeah. this could potentially represent. So yeah. I guess maybe what thoughts do you have just around, I guess, development of the industry going forward? Like it clearly, you know, crypto out a black eye in 2022. Uh, um, you know, some good news and some positive positivity would be really helpful. But I don't know what, like, how, how do you think about that? Just, you know, the potential for this technology to maybe get corrupted, I guess.
2: Yeah.
1: So, I mean, our focus uh, in terms of the fund, uh, the advisory and operational stuff that we do for for fund vehicles is uh, looking at crypto as special, just like any other asset class. So uh, in that regard, uh, you know, alternative assets have their, their specificities, but there are also patterns across it. So you know, let's say in, in real estate, you'll talk about cap rate. Uh, and then in sure. other assets, you'll talk about ROI or, or various stuff, right? And so blockchain certainly you know, has a lot of, of unique uh, blockchain, Web3, digital assets, larger ecosystem has a lot of unique aspects that need to be kind of uh, treated as a special case and studied, but in larger picture uh, they they play a role in a, a broader uh, fabric of investment and commerce and such. so I mean in that regard, uh, you know regulation when properly implemented can be a great thing for any asset class uh, to your question about CBDCs, central bank digital currencies. Net-net, I think a lot of the experts in the space see that as likely to benefit the space because uh, you'll have uh, you'll have kind of a, a potential gateway for one thing of kind of helping to on-ramp and, and get people more educated about what's happening in the digital currency space. You'll also uh, potentially take away a little bit of market share from Cryptocurrencies that really are designed to be currencies, but that's that brings up a larger topic of digital assets where there are 23,000 plus different digital assets out there uh, in terms of the fungible token uh, universe and that doesn't even include NFTs, uh, digital collectibles, all that stuff. So in that regard... Uh, the digital asset space is so much more than just cryptocurrency. So you could really say cryptocurrency itself is a bit of a misnomer, where something like Bitcoin, sure. uh, you know, in large part can have just as much, if not more, functionality as a store of value than as a you know currency that you go to the store to buy bread with. So uh, could could take away from there could be some losers in terms of the. The digital assets that are really aiming to be a day-to-day currency, but net, net, uh, likely to uh, to basically be more positive for the space. Gotcha. okay. So your your
2: view, I guess, is kind of like the
0: you know there is the I guess potential for abuse there. Hopefully, it doesn't happen, but the net effect of just more awareness of crypto overall is going to just naturally move the space further down the road than, you know, if, if we didn't have these things available to us. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah, okay. Um, There's something else that, I, that had just occurred to me there. I mean, wh- so against, I guess, that backdrop of kind of touching on the regulatory thing, you know, you, you are obviously... Uh, Talking to investors, you're talking to projects and companies. Like, what is the general sort of sentiment you hear right now? What how do people feel?
1: That's an important question. So there are a couple of things. I mean, for one, the the vehicles that we're focusing on are kind of more globally oriented. So there's kind of a U.S. question, and then there's rest of world, and then certainly kind of localized on a you know Our, continent by continent, continent yeah. uh, you know country by country basis even as well. So I mean, a couple of things right now, I'd say, especially after uh, this past week or couple of weeks with, uh, you know, uh, kind of some of the motion around the SEC, Coinbase, Binance, all of that. uh, I do think specifically the US, some investors are in a bit of a holding pattern, uh, which, you know, is understandable. Mm -hmm. Um, There's... of a broader question though, uh, in terms of, you know, there are folks who, for whom there will always be a reason, right? So some some of the same folks now that are saying, oh, you know, we don't want to go in because we're afraid of, uh, you know, potential uh, action by the SEC, et cetera, are going to be the same folks that will say, uh, oh, you know, once the, once that stuff does, you know, once the dust does settle, uh, once the air is clear, could be saying, oh, now there's no more upside to crypto. The price is kind of baked in. Sure, so yeah. it's like there are going to be arguments to yeah. not invest. Now there are going to be arguments to not invest in the future. They're going to be, you know, different ones. Uh, other other relevant components are also that kind of the, the hype cycle of news is um, a bit uh, skewed, especially in this country, you know, and uh, for example, a lot of people will observe that about uh, prosecution, uh, criminal action in general, let's say, you know, a murder trial, for example, you know, gets huge publicity in the headlines that someone got arrested for the murder, uh, a lot less that they got acquitted, for example. And then there's kind of sure. this, like, this kind of uh, yeah. halo of of guilt that that kind of surrounds someone even just by nature of having Kind of gone through the legal process, even when they are uh, acquitted and won. So in that in that sense, like, well, let's say the last lawsuit around for Coinbase, uh, you know, it was a huge thing. Own Coinbase is getting sued. Not a lot of people talked about the fact that they won, uh, yeah. but at the end of it, it actually really didn't affect the price of Coinbase stock all that much. I, I think the digital assets uh, have also been. Uh, not as affected uh, in terms of volume uh, or in terms of price as uh, as one might expect from just the level of of hype uh surrounding some of this stuff in the u s and that's partly because it is a global market, and uh not everyone cares about what's going on in the u s but beyond that, um yeah, there's also just the the rest of the world i mean is kind of leaning a bit more towards uh, you know a a more uh, robust regulatory environment that's ultimately uh you know likely to be a net positive. So we've got Europe with some of the recent uh legislation discussions, Mika, et cetera, in Europe. Uh, I mean then the kind of the pattern is um to try and and regulate in often to try and regulate exchanges, which are kind of a revolving door of money moving around, because and that's understandable because it's it's a AML anti-money laundering risk. <laughs> Um, also the other kind of pattern is to, uh, to implement guardrails that can protect retail investors, um, which again is, is, you know, like in any other market essentially. So, uh, the, the kind of stuff that's happening with crypto now is kind of similar to some things that were happening with the stock market, uh, let's say, you know, decades or even around a century ago, and yeah. that's kind of, you know, natural, natural cycle of things. So yeah, but but beyond that, um, you know, I'd say right now this particular kind of fud cycle is is pretty US concentrated and also pretty contained in terms of its effect on kind of just the global crypto market.
0: Gotcha. That's that's interesting because I've I've spoken with a number of uh, I guess I would say boutique hedge fund managers and everyone that I've spoken to are, you know, globally oriented. Like one of my best friends runs uh, runs one and you know sure he's got us investors but he's in london and europe all the time right yeah. uh i guess what is there anything that stands out to you in regards to sort of the global nature of crypto that maybe people in the u.s can kind of take some part in i guess because like we seem to here here at home we've had headline after headline that's not been so great
1: yeah well so uh some one recently kind of positive headline that was coming out that also seemed to actually have some uh some upside for the market was uh regulation uh in Hong Kong and and that basically being more an opportunity rather than a, a blocker to uh, sure. to uh you know ad- additional sophisticated economic activity happening uh in in Asia around digital assets so uh i mean it's uh i would say you know certainly there's the the smaller nation states tend to and, and kind of smaller territories and stuff tend to make a little bit more uh headway uh, a little bit faster so hong kong certain faster than let's say china puerto rico faster than the rest of us uh, especially these kind of you know uh, semi autonomous type of situations uh sure. but also you know also uh kind of small nations such as let's say singapore or cayman or Malta, um, I'd say, just in general, there, is, there has been and is and will continue to be some very strong progress in those areas. And, and back to that point about special, just like any other asset class, it's not really that unique to crypto. Also, thinking through just fintech in general, that um, the US fintech-wise is... Uh, I'd say solidly behind a number of of nations and and regions where uh, I'd say Europe's fintech ecosystem, uh, Asia's fintech ecosystem. There's just so much more going on. So um, yeah, in terms of the global picture, I think things are really looking up, and and I hope that that's going to continue to include the U.S. Even if there are kind of uh, some some hiccups along the way. So do you do you think?
0: that we are kind of already seeing this brain drain of talent in the U.S. and taking projects overseas to, you know, Singapore, Europe, wherever. Uh, Do you kind of feel that that's already taking place? You know,
1: it's, I would say to an extent, it's it's a risk. So, I mean, I've been involved in crypto for six plus years, and this type of conversation was also happening uh at previous points in the overall life cycle and you know you have seen folks uh move kind of play a bit of arbitrage within the US moving state to state uh but also kind of internationally as well moving to uh just kind of more uh, encouraging and robust uh frameworks that can let them uh basically grow the the space in a way that's that's clear uh and that's 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 guided uh so i mean there's going to be there's going to be competition for it and uh to that point i mean some of these uh, some of the emerging markets have an advantage where uh you know what do they call it like leapfrogging uh, of uh, of innovation cycles where you know kind of similar to let's say uh telecom in the us you had you know the the us had the, the best or one of the best landline systems in the world but then you had other countries uh, adopt cell phones way faster and across a much wider swath of their sure. socioeconomic spectrum than in the U.S. You know, similarly, uh, you know, this opportunity for for blockchain and crypto is fairly it's it's a it's a way of leveling the playing field uh, in terms of uh, let's say uh, a, an emerging market uh, developing an additional sector of its economy. So there is going to be uh, some competition where. Uh, say, for example, uh, you know, to use that uh, landline versus cell phone analogy, uh, the U.S. having such a strong uh, legacy financial system might in certain ways impede the growth of its of its blockchain uh, ecosystem in a way that an emerging economy that has less influential of a global sure. fi- or financial kind of uh, yeah. sway is not going to experience. So. That's an interesting
0: point. That's a, it's kind of a double-edged sword, obviously, because if you've got rules yeah. and you can move faster, then, you know, you might innovate quicker, but you also might, you know, fraud might be a little bit easier as well. Do, yeah. Uh, I, I had a quick question. Did you want to follow up on that or?
1: Um, actually, yeah. To, to that point, though, about the the fraud side, and and uh, you'd mentioned fraud. You mentioned CBDCs, and you'd mentioned kind of some concerns folks have around, let's say, um, oversight or, or excessive oversight. I mean, in my view, uh, I, I mean, the it's kind of a, 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 a kind of a false dichotomy in a way of uh, like CBDCs versus other digital assets. In many ways, actually. Uh, having fraud occur through a blockchain is way better from a uh, like protection and an enforcement perspective than through a lot of other much more common sure. and much, much higher activity channels like cash yeah. or, or real estate or yeah. stuff like that. That's like very, very offline, uh, very kind of more under the table. Um, blockchain is not... And, and digital assets are not um, anonymous; they're pseudonymous, and the you know governments around the world, private entities around the world, they know and they see what's going on, uh, and that's in in large part a good thing. Um, so, having it's not really all that much of a leap from a pseudonymous private system to a, a central bank system that's built on blockchain. Uh, so, the, the two are not kind of uh in the loggerheads position that a lot of people put them yeah that's i mean one one thing i always kind of think about is people always
0: bring up you know fraud and terrorism it's like we can't talk about crypto and it's i mean people raise money for terrorism and fraud and fiat currencies all over the world now i would guess it's orders of magnitude more than the fraud currently on any sort of global blockchain network so i don't know i it that's neither here nor there. I guess that was just something that kind of popped in my head.
1: Um, let's see. Did I lose? Either? Well,
2: I mean, it's it's
1: that, I mean, it's a fair point that uh, cash is is still for better or worse, king when it comes to a lot of uh, illicit activity. And, and so, I mean, having a trackable, uh, you know, trackable pseudonymous network uh, where you can run analysis on flow of funds and stuff like that way better than cash uh from that perspective of uh of uh, protection and, and management yeah do uh kind of pivoting a little bit what
0: as far as crypto goes what are the interesting kind of applications and uses that you've sort of seen develop over the last i don't know year or two um is there anything you're really kind of honed in on just from like a thematic point
1: it's interesting question so multiple i mean one is is kind of next generation it's it's i guess to to step back it's it's really not so much anything that's like a uh absolute revolution of like a new subsector of crypto to me at least that's interesting as much as what's next within kind of existing trajectories so uh you know to that point um uh, let's say NFTs kind of, uh, generation one of the NFT stuff was like crypto kitties, but then there was the whole, uh, you know, PFP, uh, like profile pick NFT craze over the last couple of years. Um, now there's, I think there's a lot being invested into NFTs from more of a, um, IP, um, uh, protection standpoint. Um, okay as well as as from a kind of larger utility standpoint of you know what are ways to kind of innovate around NFTs that have utility beyond just you know a pretty picture. Um, so I think that's uh, that's one area that's going to be interesting, uh, where kind of the next the next uh, kind of full uh, run on NFTs is likely to look very different than the last one, basically so um, and then uh beyond that, I would say also kind of the blockchain gaming metaverse side of things is another sure. interesting one where you see uh cycles going through that where kind of first generation of blockchain games were really just kind of like cranking a machine to spit out a token uh, so kind yeah. of a very wow. elaborate root sure. code machine, yeah. Uh, and then uh, in the last couple of years, I think the, the user experience got a bit better, um, but still kind of not not the level of stickiness that, uh, that gamers really wanted. So kind of, uh, let's say, uh, didn't quite crack the code yet. And so at this point, I mean, it does seem like one area is more traditional games that are layering in a blockchain or a crypto component rather than a blockchain game that's like let's say blockchain native so to speak so kind of more layering in the tech rather than having the tech be the begin all and end all of the concept um somewhat similar was just talking with a colleague about this uh, today actually somewhat similar to let's say any technology Uh, SQL databases, for example, blockchain is a database, SQL is a database. So, uh, you know, at this stage, people don't market a a software product to consumers as like the latest SQL version or whatever. Like no one really cares. Right. But SQL databases made the end experience better. So similarly, um, let's say using NFTs and gaming as an example. Uh, a lot of folks seem to start using the phrase digital collectible instead of NFTs, where it's it's more about what you can do with it, of the collectible, of sharing uh, with other people, of the, the scarcity, of the, the kind of the meaning of behind it, rather than the tech that's used to get there. Uh, and that's kind of the, the, broader, uh, the broader pattern, I think, for NFTs, gaming, um, all of those different areas.
0: Interesting. I I mean, I just from a sales marketing background, I love that you're kind of pushing away from like, what is a non fungible token? And like, how does it operate technically? Because for the vast majority of people, nobody cares, like nobody, nobody asks you how iCloud works. You just know that you can share your family's pictures to any device on it, right? Like nobody right. cares. Nobody cares how it's coded. Except yeah. For- you know, a small subset of people. Privileged view, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I I would kind of say that, yeah, there's been kind of like a branding sort of issue around some of the, uh, you know, crypto stories that tended to be too technical. And that's probably just the nature of the community. But for, you know, normal people, what does this really mean to me, right? Like, uh one thing that comes to mind for me for NFTs is just concert tickets or something like that. Like um, uh, I don't know if you've ever been to outside lands in San Francisco, but I went for years. Um, I think I went four or five times total, but you know, I had buddies. One of my buddies actually uh bought a ticket off Craigslist, you know, and it appeared legit, like they got a mm-hmm. good printer, like it looked like a ticket. Yeah. They gave you the yeah. that wristband that you can't get off and all that sort of stuff. And he shows up and scans it, and guess what? It's fake. So he yeah. dumped, you know, five hundred bucks on Craigslist to some guy that he'll never have any recourse for. Um
2: Yep. Yeah. So,
1: I was talking with, with a kind of NFT uh ticketing uh expert a while back, and they were talking about actually one of those horror stories where they actually traced uh the life cycle of a fake ticket, uh, and the fake ticket itself had gotten resold like uh through the whole resell ecosystem, something like dozens of times. So oh, you wow. have people flipping fake tickets for a profit. Uh yep. like yeah, so it's it it can be a mess, but to your to your kind of larger point there um, about the the value versus kind of the uh, the, the nerdiness component, I guess okay. is a is a, is, is a challenge, right? So you know to to that point around let's say you know digital assets and investing in digital assets um, that that ties in with that you know that principle of of uh, digital assets being special like any other asset class. So then it's like okay, so rather than talking about uh, I don't know, the uh, like Merkle trees and Merkle roots yeah. and stuff like that. Let's talk about, okay, so, uh, you know, what are for, for say, you know, within, within a, a digital asset fund is really more of a question of, you know, what is the, uh, what is the correlation uh, to other asset classes or, or lack of correlation? Sure. Uh, what is the, the long-term growth potential of the space? Um, you know, how can how can digital assets be used as a hedge against volatility in other markets uh, help to kind of build out a broader balance of uh, kind of a, a, a financial picture overall, be one of the pillars that supports kind of the the building that is your your financial uh, wellness as a as a fund or as as a as a vehicle or, or sure. as an individual. And then uh, and then from there. Um uh, also, just looking at uh the yeah what does it do for you rather than uh here's here's kind of homework for you on stuff you don't care about about kind of the uh you know consensus mechanisms and yeah yeah yeah, why those mean you should be involved in the space so sure
0: yeah yeah uh the, te- the technical side is definitely overwhelming i mean i i feel like I constantly am just re-googling stuff just to make sure that like okay that's that's what i understand fast
1: <laughs> that that's definitely i mean and that's that's also um i mean that's the case with with tech in general right so i mean uh but yeah it's definitely the case to be made for uh you know focusing on uh you know having your people around this like having your you know your uh, let's say your blockchain engineers that are just focused on blockchain having your your NFT experts having your, your various folks because all this stuff is moving very fast. Um, you know, kind of similarly, let's say with a, like a mobile phone ecosystem, you know, the folks who you have different layers, like the folks who yeah. uh, you know, build out the hardware, uh, they don't understand what's going on with the, the software necessarily all that much. And then the folks sure. that are building the apps on top of that, they're yeah. not, you know, it's not like they know how to build out iOS from from soup to nuts either so yeah what uh what do
0: you think needs to happen to get more you know adoption of things like if we take the smartphone analogy I mean all the way back just you know you go all the way back to landlines I guess so you go landlines you go those you know phones mounted in your car like in uh, Wall Street way back in the day um, and then they just slowly keep getting better and better what what. Is your opinion on just what needs to happen for more adoption for, you know, the digital asset space overall?
1: Yeah, so um, I think there's, um, that's a good point around just adoption rates for one thing are not created equal. So, you know, some folks have said, um, you know, the internet moved way faster than blockchain, ergo blockchain is dead it's like great sample size of 1 right yeah. so yeah uh you know that's kind of a, a bit a bit lazy thinking i think in, in in a lot of ways so uh but yeah let's say uh various uh just looking at the adoption rate There's this fascinating website i can't remember the the name of it but i remember just kind of diving into this rabbit hole at some point of of the adoption rates of different technologies the refrigerator took 30 plus years Multiple um, okay. of these, like you know, TV, microwave, et cetera. You look through these, and and you have some that that reached, let's say, eighty percent plus adoption rate in a matter of ten years. There were others that took closer to a hundred years, and you know, certainly some of the ones that are like the longest are a bit skewed towards being let's say uh a, a having started a bit longer ago when maybe the pace of life was a little shorter but uh but overall, um you know not everything has the um has the kind of adoption curve of the web to internet uh, sure. so bearing that in mind is important uh beyond that though, um yeah, I think that um kind of separating out for one thing around the adoption of digital assets specifically from a uh you know wealth and investment perspective i think that the, um, the the need there is is for for folks to really be focusing on it like they would any other asset class where um i think that you know the folks who uh kind of gambled a bit of like you know uh kind of made really really risky bets and it paid off and then they're you know bragging to all their friends about about it and then oh you know you've got to just buy this uh, why do i need to buy it because you know uh, you've no. got to buy it because it's going to go to the moon no. uh, that that has not been doing favors for for the space but um but you know with any asset class there are people that are that are gambling there are folks who are taking somewhat riskier bets there are folks who are who are you know taking more conventional approaches and and that can be that can be done in crypto uh, as well and I think that that that's um as more people start to to take a, a responsible approach to digital assets I think that will bring about uh more adoption from uh, a wider group of individuals who want to to allocate into digital assets and also, of a uh, larger groups or, or higher um, higher net worth individuals will will start to kind of uh, join into that group. Yeah, that you bring up an interesting point just about kind of
0: what would I call it? Like the temperament around how people manage money, right? Everyone's human, and certainly we've all seen the YouTube gamblers who are you know just throwing dice at you know with crypto. But um, have you like in your time in the space have you noticed a more Professional sort of standard being set when you're working with, say, investors and clients and prospects, like, or is is the overall level of expectation, I guess, higher? Um, like, it, yeah, any question making sense?
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, certainly, uh, you know, just thinking through uh, now versus six years ago. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I left Citibank where I had been working on some blockchain and crypto research and stuff, uh, left, uh, gosh, about uh, five years ago at this point. And I remember actually saying at the time, I don't see uh, big institutions like this going, uh, making any major strides in crypto for the next five years. So let me think of what I'm going to be doing for the next five years. And then meanwhile, within the last year or so, so roughly five years later, been starting to see more headlines in the US of like, some of these major banks testing out uh you know blockchain uh rails uh testing out digital currencies etc on a more kind of publicly facing basis so it it did it did take time uh looking at uh yeah i mean just looking at the the types of folks uh i mean at this point i feel like kind of somewhat of a early adopter from the uh from the more conventional side of the fence but now folks you know, who come from a background in you know city or in, in Blackrock, like our our portfolio manager uh, who have now had this experience of you know taking learnings from you know managing a billion plus dollar uh, you know conventional assets and applying that towards crypto, there are more and more of those folks uh, who are who are coming into the space and and I think it's kind of a voting with your feet sort of a thing where also you know folks coming out of uh, you know, Ivy league MBAs, uh, or out of, uh, you know, top, uh, software engineering programs, et cetera. Um, you know, what they want to be doing with their careers is, is blockchain. So kind of maybe a little bit similar to how, you know, let's say traditionally, you would think that the, you know, the Harvard MBA would go to, uh, you know, like a, a, a bank or, or yeah. a major, you know, uh, let's say, um, Kind of traditional hedge fund or something like that right but then uh let's say starting about 10 years ago or you know plus or minus a lot more of those folks started gravitating into the mobile app space uh, you know silicon valley etc yeah. now it's very much you know that that kind of uh the quantity and quality of uh of, of folks are moving into blockchain so i think that it's definitely upping the game yeah yeah
2: um just thinking, we've covered a lot of ground
0: here. <laughs> uh, what, like, what? Um, I don't know. Do you, I, I like throwing this out to you. Like, do you have any questions uh, or anything specific you want to bring up? I feel like I've been kind of throwing stuff out there. Anything?
1: You yeah, like? asking asking some some good prompts for sure. Um, I, I think that one one kind of general topic that that I think is is really interesting is you know, and to that point of of kind of uh, responsible. Management is um, is the uh, AI and blockchain and kind of tech and blockchain, right? So using the, event, uh, the example of uh, you know investment funds, the way that most uh, investment funds and in, say, you know, uh, stocks, bonds, uh, those areas, more traditional asset classes, the way that a lot of them have generated alpha historically has been through a lot of leverage, through kind of uh, like tech automated trading. Uh, so like sure. leverage and leverage and tech, right, have, have tended to generate the alpha. And uh, that's all well and good when you have a, uh, a kind of stable mature market is, is uh, it's one thing, but basically uh, taking, uh, taking the same approach and expecting them to work in a, an immature, kind of more emerging asset class has not worked so well so far. So that's where, uh, you know, for example, stuff like uh, Celsius comes down to excessive sure. use of leverage. FTX even uh, comes down to a bit of both of tech and, and, and leverage where they were over leveraged. It happened to be uh, funds that they weren't even supposed to be. Leveraging in the first place uh you know with the alameda f t x relationship yeah um, but that's- and we're lying about it that's another another side of it, but then yeah. also the other component of it was the tech of we have this amazing uh tech that like this uh that's gonna tell us what to do and stuff like that, but at the end of it, it was really a black box solution that had a backdoor, right so in in that regard, the tech side of it um is i would say um not very amenable to the stage that crypto is in at this point where it, there's a risk of, say, kind of uh, hiding behind the tech when it's in fact, um, you know, if there's a backdoor or like a there's a black box solution around the tech. That's one risk. The other is just that um, with with day trading, t- like tech oriented day trading in a uh, emerging asset class, it's kind of like gambling in reverse in some ways where. You're winning a little bit you're winning a little bit and then something something comes up in the market that you don't know what's going on basically and the yeah. problem of not knowing what you don't know there's like you know the an emerging asset class there's going to be behavior that you haven't accounted for then you lose everything so that's that point about gambling reverse, it's like you you earn a little bit on an ongoing basis but then every once in a while you risk losing absolutely everything including all your earnings to date as uh, plus the 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 principle, right? So, yeah, yeah. Uh, in in that regard, I think the the tech side of it is is another area that is um, is it needs to be um, needs to be more mature and needs to be uh, approached with a lot of caution. Also, the leverage side needs to be uh, responsibly uh, handled and 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 regulated and and limited. Also, I mean, if you know, it can make sense to do hundred x leverage trading. With like you know some very like very very stable asset classes but um but with sure. something like crypto it like 100x I mean that was like a three euros yeah. capital sort of situation of a whole lot of leverage and then it just you you get a total wipeout scenario so those are areas where uh I guess the the ways in which alpha is generated uh, in this stage of the asset class uh, we we view uh, as being either the the asset evaluation of Constantly uh, analyzing what's going on in the markets and making making changes based on that analysis, as well as, as more of the uh the yield generating approaches of of kind of earning more crypto for your crypto. So nodes, uh uh staking, uh that sort of thing. But the the kind of uh let's just uh you know, let's amp up the tech and amp up the leverage uh, has not ended well in a lot of scenarios in the last year or two. And and it should be something that that we start to learn from
0: yeah well i think you could even it doesn't even have to apply to um uh crypto like like excessive leverage in any asset class usually ends in disaster
1: (laughs) so well but i would rather i would rather go um you know i'd rather go a hundred miles an hour in in a car than a hundred miles an hour on a go-kart you know like uh, to, to that point there's kind of. Uh, And I mean, that's that doesn't mean that either like go karts are great, cars are great, motorcycles are great, but there's a time and a place for for everything. And so, yeah, you you
0: brought up some really interesting. Maybe I'm interpreting this a little bit differently, but you kind of talked about tech and I was in my head. I kind of went towards like the infrastructure side of just how business is conducted. Do you. Do you feel like and I've got, you know, a software background, too. That's my day job. So I kind of think about enterprise use case and like say you're say you you are a crypto hedge fund. Like what is the infrastructure you use to conduct business in a safe, reasonable, you know, regulated way? Like, does that stuff even exist yet or does it need to be built? Like, was that kind of what you're getting at or is that just me kind of?
1: You intuiting, connecting the dots for sure. So that's a yeah. great, uh, a great uh, kind of separate but related topic to some other stuff we're talking about. So um, you know, in that in that regard, I mean, um, thinking through uh, frameworks. You know, we're talking about uh, kind of the arbitrage on uh, on frameworks in general, and I mean, one of the reasons that that we uh, became as as interested and involved in the, the Cayman Uh, side of things where uh, kind of the flagship vehicle that uh, that we're uh, operating and advising is uh, is a Cayman vehicle is uh, actually the investor protection components where uh, there's there's kind of back to those kind of uh, false dichotomies a lot of folks will say, uh, you know, kind of US safe uh kind of came in offshore yeah. kind of uh that's like more out there or whatnot yeah, money money laundering fraud blah 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 blah. blah. the yeah. those are yeah kind of the netflix bad netflix action <laughs> movie sort of situation right but yeah. uh, but so with the us it's 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 kind of a weird uh ex, like a stretch of of extremes where in like a us publicly traded company on the new york stock exchange or whatnot of like a a tank it's got just like investor protections up the wazoo right but a a a u.s private fund especially around crypto when the crypto uh regulation is not really very clear in the u.s right now is um is maybe a bit more like a motorcycle where um you don't really you don't really know what's going on and for, for a lot of these uh u.s fund vehicles private vehicles they're not restricting, at least right now, the use of leverage. They're not restricting the use of high-risk futures. Uh, they're not, uh, they don't have kind of re- as hard and fast requirements around some of these things, at least, uh, as, as other uh, jurisdictions. And uh, many of them don't require an independent third-party audit of, uh, of the financials uh, of, of the fund. Uh, something like Cayman for the type of uh, types of vehicles that that we've been working with uh they it's all of the above i mean they're um the uh the auditors and and the the regulators and stuff they're they're working around uh, kind of restrictions on futures uh restrictions on leverage uh, requirements for uh for third party audits so it's not just a a nice thing that you provide to investors it's a you know legally required to to do yeah. this uh, that that goes a, a pretty long way and relatedly there there are audits and there are audits so I mean you know you can get your neighbor next door to yeah. you know yeah. the, friendly, the friendly you know uh, friendly CPA next door to do an audit um, and you know maybe it's someone that you've been going to dinner with for you know yeah. every Friday for the last 10 years or whatever or but or you can also get a a, a top uh global uh financial auditing company to do it. And in, uh, in a framework like SEMA and Cayman, they're requiring basically one of these top uh, global auditors that review publicly traded companies. They're requiring those types of people to, to overview this. So there's yeah. a lot closer to level of rigor on those audits uh, is closer to something like you would uh, approach a company, uh, publicly traded company with than, than just kind of, hey, you know, check some boxes. So, you know, to that point, if a New York, if a New York stock exchange uh, company is like a tank, maybe um, a U.S. private fund is more like a motorcycle. um, You could argue something in Cayman is maybe like a, a smart car where it's like, you know, it's not a tank, but it's also not a motorcycle. So, okay, interesting. Interesting. So you that I hadn't even
0: thought about kind of just auditing stuff under private investment vehicles in the States, like I would assume that it would all like my assumption is that yes, that like you would need a third party audit, but from what you're telling me, that's, that's not the case. If you've got
1: certain private structures in the U S it's just kind of it, boxes case, case by case basis. So for some of them, it's not required, even if investors want it or expect it, you might not be legally required to do it. Um, and in other cases, they might require it, but it, it might be more of a uh, more of a formality than it is in some other jurisdictions, or less rigorous. Um, so it, it it certainly depends on the situation. But uh, but that's also part of the challenge is that there's there's not uh, very uh, there's not yet uh, super clear guidelines on uh, digital assets in in the U.S. compared to some other jurisdictions, and that's. Yeah. Uh no go ahead go ahead Well uh I guess a, a related topic on the uh on the regulatory side um I I was uh thinking through uh, that over the last couple of weeks uh in relation to uh Naseem Nicholas Taleb so the guy that wrote yeah. uh anti-fragile, Black Swan yeah. et cetera so when I was when I was seeing some of this stuff around um you know kind of going after folks there you know there's some folks that that needed going after there are other folks that have not needed going after sure. And he has this concept that he explores that I think is really interesting and, and pretty relevant to some dangers in that, in, in that area. Uh, it's called, um, I believe it's called iatrogenics. So, okay. uh, the, the analogy or the the story that he was using on that, I, I think it's in his uh, anti-fragile book. It's talking about uh, a thousand children and, um, there's a situation in which it was like some dental issue. I think it was like wisdom teeth removal or something along those lines or tonsils removed. I think that's, that was it. And roughly, uh, roughly one out of 10 to 10% of children end up needing to have their tonsils removed. And so they took a thousand children to, uh, to a clinic and the, the doctors there selected about a hundred of the children to have their tonsils removed. But then... They took the 900 children to another clinic and doctors selected about 90 of, yeah. uh, of those children to have their tonsils removed. And they kept doing it. And it was it was basically they were selecting people uh, at roughly the indicative rate. Uh, and it didn't really have much to do with who actually needed their tonsils removed. So I think that's that's kind of more from a human nature uh, perspective, as I think something to be bearing in mind around, uh, you know, risk of, uh, it, let's say irrelevant or, or at least, or let's say, uh, improperly implemented, uh, regulation is, is one thing that I, uh, worry about and look at following across different con- uh, countries and, and, different regions. From, uh, from a global
0: standpoint where, where are people preferring to be regulated currently? Is that Europe? Is that Singapore? Is that, you know, Caymans? Like what what structures are people gravitating towards?
1: I mean, it's... I think it's it's a it's a varied it's kind of a marketplace in a way of of different pros and cons. And by the way, you know certainly none of this is uh, investment advice, legal oh, advice. Yeah. <laughs> legal advice. Yeah. So you no. know, d- definitely talk with your 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 professionals, your your lawyer, your your tax guy, uh, your uh, just everyone before you make any any decisions on stuff like this. But yeah, I've got a
0: disclosure at the beginning of every episode. So. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We so, state that clearly. <laughs> Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that it partially comes down to kind of the job that needs to be done where, um, you know, let's say it's, you know, kind of maybe similar to trying to decide where in the US you want for your corporation to be. It's like, well, some, uh, you know, some uh, places it's easier to go public, more streamlined. In other places, there's more privacy. In other places, there's uh basically you know maybe more of a tax saving um so it's there's a bit of a of kind of a shopping around what the the needs are uh sure. and I suspect that that's gonna continue to be the case in in crypto where uh you know there's some some areas where you know i I've, I've just found for for what I'm doing specifically it's been maybe uh you know a little bit easier and came in to do stuff around the 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 fund side, but a little harder to do stuff and came in around the banking side. Uh, as far as, oh, okay. as, as digital currency goes or just just yeah. as an example of kind of how it's applied or how I've kind of chosen to apply it to my own, you know, specific situation. Uh, relatedly, you know, is are you looking to create a DAO? Um, you know, I probably, you know, there's, there's some interesting stuff happening in, what is it, like the, was it the Guernsey Islands or some, some like very out there jurisdiction or at least kind of not one that I'm super sure. familiar with, but they're looking to yeah. be kind of the the DAO royalty or whatnot. Uh and they might just become, you know, maybe they will, maybe they won't become kind of the go-to place for DAOs, uh, but not the go to place for NFTs or for sure. yeah uh, or for digital, you know, for crypto banking or whatever. Interesting.
0: Interesting. I mean it's I guess you kind of wonder like do you would you prefer to have like a global standard around regulatory concerns
1: or would you prefer to be able to pick and choose um, that's that's a very very big question yeah, um I'm yeah. not even sure is is it might might be a scope of an entire entire new uh new episode, but i yeah. I mean you probably end up being a bit of both you know kind of like you have you know, state level, uh, federal level and and global level uh laws uh you know in any area, it's probably gonna end up being a, a balance of of a bit of both where uh you know there there will be uh some regional variations, uh you know, but there will be uh let's say uh certain absolute uh kind of must-haves and sure. must-nots that apply more or less universally. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I'm sure somebody is working on a reg tech solution for all the myriad ways that uh jurisdictions come together. So uh subject
1: of your 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 next uh your next guest uh will be a, a reg tech guy. Yeah, yeah,
0: someone to someone to look for. They're out there for sure. Um well let's see. Uh I can hear my baby screaming, so I should probably my um but yeah, let's let's maybe leave it here. Uh do you have anything you want to just kind of sign off with, David. Um, any thoughts, comments?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, kind of some of the, uh, let's say, takeaways of, of, of our conversation that I think might bear briefly repeating is that uh, you know, digital assets are are special like any other asset class. So, you know, approaching them with, uh, with rigor, uh, with uh, proper risk mitigation, uh, with... Uh, protections both uh, internal and uh, and governmental are going to be important Um, also that the next uh, the next wave uh, is very likely to to come you know uh thinking through uh let's say six years in the space you know I, i saw ethereum go from seven dollars up to a thousand dollars back down to about a hundred and then you know eventually back up to to four thousand uh thinking through that it's you know you have you have peaks and you have dips and they take a bit of time in the space so uh staying patient and focusing on uh, on the value utility uh you know disciplined uh disciplined investing and uh and Value creating in general is is I think uh, important and easier said than done when when there's a lot of uh, a lot of hype positive and negative but uh, I think that just the sheer momentum of amazing talent and brain power and and money and and regulation that are all going into the space there will be some ups and downs but uh, we are we are headed in a very uh, very positive direction uh, over the next couple of years that i'm I'm excited to be a part of. Cool. Well, let's let's leave it there. I love the the positive aspect to, to
0: finish yeah. an episode. But um, yeah, thanks for coming, David. Welcome back anytime, and um, good luck in your trip overseas. So appreciate it. Yeah. And thank you for having me, Cool.
2: Talk soon. Take care.